is right. is remaining open to yourself in the moment to life in the moment and the greater capacity we have to remain open the easier it gets to be hello mickey welcome to the seer's edge hello juliet and thank you for having me mm-hmm so I often ask my guests if they want to lead us in a centering or a prayer or just a moment of breath. And if it doesn't feel aligned, that's fine. But would you love to lead us in that? A moment of breath. That would be okay. Good. Yeah. So sitting comfortably and feeling as centered as you can feel on your chair or wherever you're seated. Just releasing any tension that your body holds and taking a deep cleansing breath, feeling that breath reaching every part of you, reaching down all the way to your toes and gently release that breath. Breathe in again, even more cleansing air coming in to fill your lungs, to fill your body, to rejuvenate, reaching every part of you, your fingertips, your toes, everything in between. Release that breath, just gently let it go. And when you're ready, take another deep cleansing breath. Perhaps you can see color with this. Maybe there's a beautiful white or silver or any color you love that infuses that breath. And release. And one more. Deep breath in. Maybe you can feel toes tingling, fingers awakening. All parts of your body saying thank you. And if your eyes were closed, now you can gently open them. Soft gaze if you want. Come fully back to the room and be present. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So before we hit record, we were talking about some of the really new and exciting things that are unfolding in your work and in your life. And I was reflecting on how there's such a, a strong default, I think, when we see people doing amazing things, like some of the things that you're doing. And like the question becomes, well, how do you do that? And I think there's actually a, a much greater value in hearing what is that like for you? What has this process been like for you? So if you wanted to pick like one of the super exciting things that you're doing and share a bit about what it's been like for you to create this way, I'd love to hear that. So I've been on this amazing journey, which started. You were right there when it started and I tried to articulate something and, and couldn't and, and it was powerful and I was so stuck. Mm -hmm. And I realized in that moment that I, I need to get this out into the world and I have massive blocks stopping me that I, I didn't know I had. So I took that to speaking on the stage and it was so freeing. It was so amazing. And suddenly you know, two talks at MIT. And I felt like this is actually something I can do. And it, a part of me lightened up, a part of me really loosened up. And I've moved this forward now to creating a TV show that starts tomorrow live every Wednesday for 55 minutes. Like it's, it's a huge venture that this time last year, I couldn't have even envisaged this. Like, that's not for me, that's for somebody else. 
but it's only not for me if I see it that way. So mm -hmm. it's not really a question of how you do that. It's what are you doing to not do that? Yeah. Can you say more about that experience of things lightening up? Mm. When I was able to stand up and speak my truth, and I, it, it's funny, the process was, I was trying to write it out, try, write a script. And I read my script into the phone, like you're told to do, you know, record it. And it sounded like an audio book. It was, you know, it was fine, but it wasn't talk. It wasn't something that was live or authentic. So I put away my notes. I made bullet points on one side of a sheet of paper for each talk. And then when I went into MIT to do my talk, I put it on the podium and didn't look at it. Mm -hmm. And so I literally just spoke words that came up and, and just allowing that flow just felt like I could take a bigger breath. I could take up more space. I was actually here now to be recognized and not hiding in a corner, which I seem to have done for um, more of my life than anybody really wants to. Um, mm. And and that's kind of it just felt expansive. I think that's yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you for going deeper into that because it's like this has been a core part of my own journey and you know how I love to serve my amazing women on the path is you can slog through the mud or you can swing through the trees like it's it's actually a decision and that when we follow that feeling of swinging through the trees it, and I love that metaphor because swinging through the trees is easy and fun but it's also kind of crazy you know what I mean like letting go of that tree behind you and then coming on to the next one, it's, it's a very heightened experience. So it's not mm. really like laying on a hammock with a cold drink. It's a very alive experience, but it's something that we can trust because what I think I'm hearing you say is like, whether it was linear or nonlinear, following the impulse to speak in the way that you are made to is actually what is creating all of these other incredible yeah. things that you're doing. I think so too. Yes. And at MIT, the, the, something happened that I found interesting because I wasn't expecting it was I actually kicked my shoes off for mm -hmm. the second talk. And I was barefoot because mm -hmm. suddenly I couldn't stand to wear shoes anymore. It's not that they were uncomfortable, but I didn't want that lack of connection. I, yeah. I had something to say and I was going to say it barefoot and I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, it wasn't planned. It was just a thing. And and the whole piece of that opportunity to speak, it worked best when I didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. I knew roughly where my story was going to go, but I didn't have the how. I didn't have the steps. So it was like swinging through the trees and letting go of one, knowing I would catch another. That's literally how that went and the TV show that's coming up is more or less going to be the same. It's mm -hmm. not scripted. I'll have an idea of where I'm going, but I won't know what I'm going to say until I've said it. And mm -hmm. then I'll have to look at the episode as well to see, oh, what did I say? Um, because that's how it goes when, I, when I'm properly in flow. I don't know what's yeah. going to come next. Yes, exactly. I was uh, meeting with my own business manager today. And she was asking, she's like, you know, do we need to have a talk about putting boundaries on your hours? Like, are, how are you feeling basically about how you're working? And I was like, you know, I don't really need boundaries on hours. I just need to be in flow. And as long as I'm prioritizing flow, it's all happening. And so I want to go back to this other thing though, because there's another really juicy distinction in here. Um, that I've definitely come into contact with people who are not feeling light inside of having speaking engagements or even these other things that you're doing with launching a television show, um, or being part of this other network of high level leaders. Uh, but more it's like, well, I have to get on a stage so that I can, Right. Mm. Like they're experiencing it as a means to an end because somehow, some way they thought that that's what you need to do. But 
I feel like this whole thing has come from such a very different place inside of you. Very much. This, yeah. I, I view it as now I have an opportunity. I get to do this. I get to speak all the things that I've been holding and I'm getting responses already from people. As soon as I speak, I get the responses of, wow, I wish I knew that before, or, oh, you, you just gave me something new. And you know, that's, that's a wonderful thing if, if you can mm -hmm. have a platform to do that from. So it, the, the, frightening aspect of being on a stage and having people look at you seems like a distant memory now and it it wasn't that long ago it was you know relatively few months but in in time as we understand it it was not that long ago but in um development as as who I am it was a lifetime ago it was a long time mm -hmm. it was both at the same time quantum leaps yep yeah for sure when do you remember the first time that you had the impulse to be on stage? It was around the time that I tried to tell a story. It, it was appropriate. I don't even remember why now, but I remember that this whole thing came up about some serious um, limitations that had been placed on me when I was a child at school. And mm. the whole thing came up as this massive trauma but I realized, you know, it touches a nerve in other people that we all have something that's been done to us that was that severe and showing the light onto it and saying, hey, you, you can overcome this. Look, this is a terrible thing, but now you're here and you don't have mm -hmm. to carry that anymore. Um, it just became a thing that that's what I wanted to do was go up onto a stage. The the bulk of that trauma that had occurred to me was funnily enough on a stage and mm -hmm. I've never been on one since. So this was, I'm going to go right back to the place where this occurred metaphorically and like not the same stage, but you know, right back to the stage. The archetypal being stage. In front of people. Yeah, yeah. The archetypal stage. Exactly. And now it's become something that I'm, I'm really delighted with. I'm comfortable and I want to do more um because it lights me up it's exciting yeah and i just want to keep highlighting that that was the impulse and it wasn't that like it just there's there's just nothing in this experience that feels manufactured no. to me it feels fueled by love and it also is like this amazing example of my personal theory which is that trauma is just incomplete initiation, mm. which is in no way condoning the terrible things that happen to us. But I, I feel like because we lack genuine ceremonial containers, and yet we must go through levels of initiation or maturation as human beings, it happens in these sideways ways, but it doesn't actually get completed. Right. So for you to go on that stage and and claim and inhabit and express completed the initiation. Like you're a different person now. Mm -hmm. And I took a skeleton with me. Yes. I had a I skeleton. Love that. I remember you like going through a process of like finding the right skeleton. Yes. And I found the skeleton. I named her Anne because that's my middle name and mm -hmm. nobody gets to see the middle name. Nobody gets to see the skeleton in the cupboard. And nice. I gave her a nice sun hat and, <laughs> and we, we traveled to Boston and she was in a suitcase and I'm sure customs had a great time with that. Um, mm -hmm. And she was on stage with me for that talk. And mm -hmm. I referred to her because she was, she represents all the, the shame and the blame and the hidden stories that we think say bad things about us. So we hide them and mm -hmm. we, we, you know, don't want anybody to know they're there, but actually a lovely skeleton with a sun hat on that would like to come out and sit with you and mm -hmm. be seen because when all those things come to light actually they're not they don't mean anything bad about you at all it's just something that you went through and because you've been through that you can now deliver something from there 
you know, bring forward a wisdom that you wouldn't have had without that experience. So that speaks to what you're saying about an incomplete initiation. You you kind of need that background in order to have the information you have to put forward that can help mm-hmm. somebody else deal with what they have and yeah. to have their own initiation moving forward. Exactly, exactly. And like, you know, I actually really geek out on the dynamics of ceremony and transformation. And in those kinds of places, you hear that language <clears throat> all the time, having a ritual elder, that that to be a ritual elder doesn't have anything to do with age. It It is specific to, I have walked through this. I have walked through this and I am a little further on this journey of initiation or maybe even fully on the other side of it. And now I can hold that space for you from a genuine place. It's not mm. from a book. It's not from something somebody taught me. It's it's what I lived through. Yeah. Which is and, essentially in Buddhism, that would be a bodhisattva. Yeah. Somebody who has gone through the journey, attained enlightenment, but now they're staying to help others. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying I'm a bodhisattva, but I am saying the journey is the same. Uh-huh. What if you are a bodhisattva? I haven't given that any thought because I'm too busy having a lot of fun getting onto stages. <laughs> I feel like bodhisattvas yeah. have a lot of fun. Well, yeah, maybe I need to give that some thought. I'm I'm just poking a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, when I was 22, I had uh, the bodhisattva vow tattooed onto my wrist. It was, it, it just, not that I thought that I was a bodhisattva, but there was something so meaningful about that as a possibility that what I'm living through. And as you know, I'm a six, two, so I've got like a bit of that three thing in human design, right? There's a lot of mistakes. There's a, you know, whatever we think a mistake is, but there's a getting it wrong to get it right. Mm -hmm. And, and for, especially in my early years, I didn't know why, but I felt like there was a why, you know what I mean? Like, why am I having to experience all this pain? It must be for something, you know, and to then be able to serve from that place was, um, a real gift. Mm. Well, sixes have a lot going on. There's, there's a great deal of experimentation and you know all about that because you live it. Yes. Absolutely. And um, I, I want to make sure that this is a conversation about you, but to, to have some space for human design feels appropriate. Um, yeah, yeah. Is, is there anything that you would have to say to my fellow sixes and perhaps the threes out there about, let me put it this way about the truth of experimentation well, what I always tell people when I'm doing um, a reading or or having a discussion with somebody who has a six or a three, I prefer to say that it's trial and wisdom rather than mm-hmm. trial and error. Because mm-hmm. when life has a smooth stretch, you have that smooth path in the river, it's a nice break. It's, it's <laughs> you know, catch your breath. That's kind of cool. Catch your breath. But if your whole life was like that, you would be bored out of your brain and you wouldn't learn anything because the smooth parts of life are not where we learn. Mm-hmm. So a six is gifted with a whole lot of rapids in that river. There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of muscle building. Every rapids that you go through builds more muscles, gives you more navigation skills, a whole lot of wisdom that you wouldn't have without that. So I wouldn't be so flippant as to say, look at it as fun, but it is your life path and it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. So the wisdom that comes from that is immeasurable Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't get it any other way. So when you bump into things, I kind of liken it to a a pinball machine, you know, Mm -hmm. and when you're bumping into things, whether it lights up or it doesn't, there's nothing wrong about that. It's a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And if you're smoothly running along your track, then enjoy the break. Yeah. Be ready for yeah. the next, you know, the next set of rapids because it's coming. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. And like, it just, even though it's something that I practice hearing it come through you, just really grounds my nervous system. 
Um, so thank you for that. You're welcome. And I I also want to just voice the along with the wisdom, I think there's compassion. Mm. Um, yes. That's, that's like literally something that has been happening in my marriage in particular. Oh, over the past, I mean, it just got so heightened when we moved to Sedona. Um, but our ability to be compassionate with each other because of the great experimentation <laughs> and, you know, he's not a three or a six, but, um, just a, a great human being, but it's, it's really beautiful to see how it opens the opportunity for compassion and understanding as these things are lived through. Well, the, the other thing for a six in a relationship is threes and sixes make and break bonds all the time mm -hmm. so but that doesn't mean you know i'm here then i've gone here then i've gone here it can be the same person but how that looks is renegotiated and it yes. changes and it develops it's not static it's a, a living organism this relationship and so for somebody with a three or a six making and renegotiating changing breaking bonds all of this is part of the process. It's on the path mm -hmm. and perfectly natural and normal to do. So it's not the easiest possibly, but there's so much growth there. Yeah. So yeah. much growth possible. That, for sure. For sure. Know, wow. Um, and every time a bond is reforged, it can be stronger and stronger. And, you know, there's more to it. There's more substance. Absolutely. And that's worth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally right before I got on the call with you, my husband and I were having that discussion because we had a very crucial moment, like maybe six months ago, it was like a, a moment of great conflict and not argument, but like something needed to be renegotiated. And I told him, cause he just kind of saw it as this moment where we went deeper, which is totally true. But I was like, Oh no, for me, our marriage actually ended and then we started over. Like, that's mm -hmm. just how I experience it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a new a bond. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a new, you're onto a whole new section now. And what uh -huh. was, was simply the building blocks for where you are now. Mm -hmm. and, and that's perfectly in line with the whole experimentation and wisdom of the six. Like it's, it's an amazing power to have and it's a lot mm -hmm. it's a big thing to carry but you wouldn't have it if you couldn't carry it mm -hmm. so you know it's um there's, there's a lot going on there but leaps and bounds leaps mm -hmm. and bounds yes that was one of my favorite things about I think it's I think it's the 64 gate that is basically like you're made for quantum leaps like that's just how it is um, it's like a little bit of smooth. It's exactly what you're saying, mm -hmm. like a little bit of smooth and then rapids. And mm -hmm. like, that's just, that's the cycle. Like there's no, there's no smooth, like forever. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think society generally has, has sort of built up this myth about you should be looking for the smooth path all the time. Look for the, mm -hmm. the flat river and, you know, gently paddle and, and then, you know, you've made it, but that's, it's a fallacy. It doesn't exist. It's a short yes. gap. It's, yes. just a, it's just a little breather. That's all, you know, you mm -hmm. come up for air and then off you go again. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. We're told incorrectly to look for the wrong things and no wonder people are dissatisfied mm -hmm. and stuck because they're looking the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a important conversation. I think to like all of us to keep having and keep having and keep having that when we use the word ease, like I'm a massive proponent of ease, but it's mm. not, that's not the same as a smooth river. Ease right. is remaining open to yourself in the moment, to life in the moment. And the greater capacity we have to remain open, the easier it gets to be. Mm. So even if you're getting thrown off your raft, <laughs> that gets to be easy. You just remember to point your feet downstream, you'll be fine. But yeah. <laughs> It's for me, ease is when you're doing something without conflict with yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you're like 
if I'm going to get up on a stage or I'm going to talk on TV or I'm on a podcast with you, I don't sit there beforehand thinking, oh man, I wish I wasn't doing this. Oh, but I have to because, you know, that is dis-ease and mm-hmm. ease is when, oh, look what I get to do now. This is great. And there may be things that I need to do. There's work, you know, the whole TV show thing. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and I'm going to learn that as I go. So it's not easy, but it's easeful in that I'm totally in line with doing it. I'm absolutely there for it and I'm excited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's not, I think, again, the words get mixed up in society that easy means there's no effort. And that's, right. whereas I would say ease has no struggle. It's not yes. the same thing. Yes, absolutely. In shamanic practice, it's there's an almost identical teaching and the the word that got passed down to me was coherence but it's exactly what you're saying that like what you think what you believe what you love and what you're doing are all moving in the same direction mm. so you're not sitting there like oh wish i didn't have to do this you know and then you show up and you're like oh i'm so happy to be here you right. know yeah and you can tell when yes. you know when somebody's doing that the Somehow it it doesn't reach the eyes for a start off, but the whole mm-hmm. energy is wrong. And you can just feel that this person would actually rather be gardening or they, you know, they'd rather be yeah. somewhere else than sitting here right now. And that muddies the message, mm-hmm. whether it muddies it from the person who's trying to give it forward or the listener, the energy is not congruent and you just can't get that flow. It's not there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where it's not easeful mm-hmm. it might be an easy task in that you know how to do the thing but if you're not present for it if you're not there for it if it doesn't light you up then um that's a struggle mm-hmm. that's not what we're here to do no no that's a lot of wear and tear I like that yes it is a lot of wear and tear because you're pushing against a door that needs to be pulled yeah, it's exactly. Right. Oh, what a great metaphor. <laughs> Cause there's that moment, right? Where you look down and you're like, oh, pull. <laughs> uh-huh. Same door, yeah. nothing changed except yeah. how you were going to use it. That was all. Exactly. Yeah. So you said earlier that the television show is not scripted, but what I would love to know more, like what is going to be happening there? What are, what is the, the ripple in reality that you're going to be creating? Well, the subject matter is navigating. So speaking of rivers, navigating complicated relationships, and that can be with anything from a colleague, a child, food, you have Mm -hmm. a complicated relationship with food. And, and it's basically each episode, I'm going to take some part, whatever comes up, and open it up for examination and sort of say, well, why is it complicated? And Mm -hmm. the foundation of pretty much everything I do with human beings is human design, because Mm -hmm. that really helps me to help that person work in flow and Mm -hmm. to understand how to get them where they want to be a lot quicker than Mm -hmm. without human design. It's just, it's just part of what I do now. Um, And on the the show, there will be some aspects of human design, but I also just really want to explore why complicated, what's complicated, how could it not be complicated? Yeah. What would you say is the difference between complicated and complex, if any? Oh, plenty of difference. Yes, definitely. So complex means there's many facets to it, like a diamond. There's a lot going on, but that can be harmonious. Mm -hmm. Complicated usually implies a lack of harmony mm-hmm. there's some incongruence there there's like a, a tangled web instead of a beautifully organized spider's web you know those things are a work of art mm-hmm. but if you have a messed up ball of yarn after a cat's played with it that's complicated <laughs> <laughs> that that is complicated and and we bring our story into relationships and we look at the other person through our own lens and make an awful lot of assumptions all the time. And I want to blow that up. I want, I want mm-hmm. to completely mess with that and say, 
let's look at what your lens is like clean that a little but then understand yeah. that you're always looking through it mm-hmm. so whatever somebody tells you like I, I could look at you and say you know Juliet I think your hair would look so much nicer if it was black mm-hmm. well that doesn't mean one thing about you that means I like black hair right right it's, yeah. it's nothing for you to act on it's nothing for you to take in as important it isn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, if I were to state that, that's all about me. That's nothing about you. But we we lose that as kids. And we think that all these different things that people say and show us are about us. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking to open that up and say, you know, no, that's it's not about you. He is you underneath in this human design. Now let's open the, the gates and go play. And, you know, really find your ease rather than what other people want you to do. Because seriously, yeah. they they don't know. They, they just talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then there's that whole dynamic of what we think other people want from us that they may not have even expressed in any way, but we've just decided because that's the lens that we're looking through. Mm. And we do it all the time, all mm-hmm. the time. And I've seen relationships go badly awry when each person has a story about the other person and they don't actually connect enough yeah. to discuss those stories. And it's like, well, that relationship didn't fall apart. It was never really held together. That was the problem because you didn't look at each other. You, yeah. you, you know, you're both stuck in your own story and think that everybody else has the same script. Yeah. I think like my reference for that is toddlers. You know how toddlers don't really play with each other. They just play by themselves, Mm. by each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had relationships like that. (laughs) And those those can be fine if if that's how it's intended to be. But Mm -hmm. when you're in a relationship that you put in one category and operate in another, it becomes complicated. Yeah. And sometimes we have a script that's on repeat Mm -hmm. that, the other person then plays into because they've learned their part of the story and they go on repeat and it's then perceived as a mess or it's perceived as this isn't working or this is a problem. It's just a faulty script. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, I, I talk about it a lot from the perspective of animism versus materialism Mm. know that in animism which we see we would find it in any of our ancestors if we went far back enough but this experience of being in a living world where i am actually relating to you right i'm i'm receiving you just as i would receive this microphone it's not just a a character in my own script um but most we we have a materialistic culture where we walk around with a script and we're just looking for people to fill the role, but we don't realize that that's what we're doing. And, you know, we don't always write our own script. We just borrow for it sure. from other people and then wonder why it's not working. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because that wasn't the movie I wanted to be in. <laughs> you know, that's the wrong script. Mm-hmm. So unlearning that is a huge part of the coaching journey for sure. And having human design at the foundation of that I think is essential. I mean, the more I use it, the more I find that it's just invaluable place to start. I'm actually working with a company right now. They have 15 employees and I'm doing everybody's human design mm-hmm. and then helping them to work together with more flow. Mm-hmm. And it's the most exciting thing because, you know, this is new territory, this is new ground, but they have their trust in me to do this. And I'm loving it because it's mm-hmm. so many, oh, you have gate of control and so do you. Well, let's see what can you have and what can you have where you don't fight, but you, you know, complement each other. Right. And simple things like that. Oh, this is the gate of the storyteller. Great. How are you at copywriting? You know, mm-hmm. and we can sort of play with the strengths like that. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different company culture that I yeah. think will serve them so well. Mm-hmm. Well, it that's been my experience of you from the beginning that you're deeply invested in changing the culture. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And often, let me know if I'm getting this right. I mean, it's 
it, I see you working so much at this very personal level, mm-hmm. but in a way that, that really does change culture. For yeah. me, that's, it's a little bit of a, a nuance. Like I, I'm really tuned in to like the distinction between personal and collective. It's like an endless fascination for mm-hmm. me. And some people really have like, they're relating to the collective, right? And it's just kind of like a truth that they're putting out there. But I imagine that even when you're on stage at MIT, probably every person in that audience felt like you were talking to them. I did see reactions because I'm scanning the audience the right. whole time. Not so much. Um, well, I mean, I won't say what it wasn't. I'll say what it was. I wanted to see, um, is it landing? Yeah. Are you, are you receiving me? Mm-hmm. And I got lots of feedback from people's expressions and sort of, huh, you know, and, you know, those kind of expressions and mm-hmm. and that was wonderful for me because then I know I'm being heard and that that person is potentially going to pass that on to someone else so right. I like to I think the most effective thing for me is to get to a person who will get to the collective yes. so it's I'm going for the the main branch that can then go out right to all its smaller branches and the leaves yeah because I just had this I had this visualization of you as like a thousand armed goddess. Ooh, Avalokiteshvara. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't say it then. Yeah. You did no, great. I, I wouldn't even reflect it back to you because I don't think I could get it. Avalokiteshvara, uh-huh. the Buddha of compassion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. No, it's it, it's definitely what I'm here for. It's, it's what I love to do. It lights me up. Um, and if... When I do the parenting side of relationships, and I have a long background in working in parenting, it's not the only thing I do, but when I do that, if I can save one child from being squashed unnecessarily, from being you know, limited in some way, so that they can carry on and, and really fulfill who they're here to be, then I consider that a life worth living. You know, that's, that's amazing to me. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the kind of impact that I want to have is having people, whether it's their relationships with partners or colleagues, parents, whatever it is. There's an awful lot of people who are in Generation X who aren't talking to their boomer parents. Mm -hmm. And I can really see why. However, that can be overcome. Mm -hmm. You know, Generation X was largely feral. You go out in the morning with your door key and you come back when the sun goes down and don't set the house on fire while we're gone kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of story around that, right? Yeah. But those relationships, if both sides will listen and try, they can change them. They can be healed. But, you know, that's there's just so many places to do this. That's why from the TV show, I want to, you know, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you and it's all relationships. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Do you want to talk about this other project that you're involved in? The The Academy? Yes. The, and what is the full name? Empowerment? Was it? The Empower Network Academy. Empower Network Academy. Yes. I Uh, I have no idea what that is, but those are all words that really light me up. Right. So the Empower Network Academy is new. It went into beta launch last week and I was actually the sole instructor that launched that last week. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I was the first one up and I did human design each day for five days. And people who are in the academy that want to learn, whether they're other instructors or however they're there, they can come to the session and it's a Zoom session um, I'll present something, we do Q&A, and we move on to the next day, and it goes like that. There are lots of different instructors there with different uh, perspectives to share, mm-hmm. and it's like this coming together of vast and diverse knowledge, mm-hmm. and there's no restriction on what type of knowledge can come in. So if it's a little bit risky, or it's something that in many places are considered taboo, 
there are there's a good chance that you can get into the academy to teach your truth even if it's um not mainstream i think is probably the best way i want to say that mm-hmm. um and and it's exciting because i get to it's a global platform and i get to reach whoever's interested to come and listen mm-hmm. and they can ask me the specific questions that will bring it home for them a little more and again this is sort of speaking to the few to get to the many right so I, I love that about the platform and it's uh like I said it's in beta so it's it's new it's exciting it's building really fast so we'll we'll see how that mm-hmm. blossoms but I envisage it like a, a lotus flower that's just kind of opening mm-hmm. up and the colors are vibrant yeah that's so amazing it it um reminds me of a teaching that was so meaningful and kind of a lifeline for me during the pandemic years uh because we were all grappling right with how how we be as as families as individuals and definitely as communities mm-hmm. and um this actually came from a philosopher but i just can't remember who it is the gist of it is that it's like this teaching of the third way where one way is to just go along with whatever culture is telling you to do and hope that it ends fast. Right. And you definitely saw that during the pandemic. Like if we just, if we just obey, if we just do what we're supposed to do, then maybe it will end faster, but that doesn't actually work. And then there's also the second path of fighting, right? Like getting really aggressive, going to war with what you're told to do. And that doesn't like if our desire is to live in beauty and harmony and growth with each other. Like neither of those two approaches get it done. And so it was like this third way where you actually create a parallel culture. And the way that we were holding the conversation at that time wasn't necessarily that we're like going to start a commune or our own nation state, but that every person, every family every group of people can create that parallel society in like a bunch of different places and ways. And that that is a viable path for, for lasting and meaningful change. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I think about when I hear you speaking of this. Yeah, I think there's so much opportunity and it excites me when I get to sort of open the curtains and peek in to this new room of, oh, I can go in there and get on my stage and, you know, yes. <laughs> get the information. Well, yeah, now it's the stage is yours, right? You have yeah. reclaimed it. And so any stage is going to be magnetized. It's it's pretty amazing. I mean, in six months, I would say, mm-hmm. six months, I've I've gone from hiding in a corner with my little skeleton to being on a stage, being on TV, being on, you know, in an academy that's also televised. And it's mm-hmm. it's also, you know, going to be uh live streaming and all kinds of things. It's in Facebook right now. You know, it's it's gonna be in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, once we come out of beta, it's right gonna be all over the place. So yeah, it's just, it's amazing. There's all these platforms to go play with. Mm-hmm. What fun. Yes. yes and I'm yes, not scripting yes. any of them. None of it's scripted. Yeah. I mean, if I, I, I would love our, our listening community to, well, I, I'm sure they're going to take away a million gems from this conversation, but that one in particular, there's a, an everlasting bone I have to pick. <laughs> with the experience of women when they open into a realm that is greater than where they've currently been living. And that happens all kinds of different ways, right? Whether you're learning a new technique, whether you are opening to a greater revenue stream, like whatever that more is, there's that like good girl mechanism that comes on. That's like, oh, I have to find the right way and just do what I'm told. Right. And Mm. oftentimes it comes with scripts, right? Here's the script. Here's the um, structure that you have to follow. Make sure that you do it in this order. You spend this many minutes doing this and it just chokes the life force. It does. It does. Like I get that it's well-meaning. I I don't feel like there's nefarious, you know, energies with the people who are doing those things. I think they really believe that's how it's done, but nothing authentic can breathe. Right. 
And I, I found that when I, I had my script and it was pretty good. You know, I, I had all the pieces in there and I read it and it flowed and the timing was right and everything. And it sounded like an audiobook. There was no soul in there. Yeah. It's just words like, that was Something spoken. you fall asleep to. <laughs> sure. You know, the, the, there was nothing to get excited about in there and there was no spontaneity. Yeah. And I think spontaneity is essential. Exactly. You, you have to be able to respond to, if you've said something and someone in the room has a big reaction, I'm going to go there. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to look at that. You know, what was that? What did that do for you? Let me speak mm -hmm. more to that. And now I'll go over in this other direction and speak more to that. And I, I want to be able to go with the rapids where they are and not where I think they should be. Yeah. That doesn't work. Uh -huh. and it was such... I think it was one of the, the best things I learned in the first half of this year was not to be scripted. Mm -hmm. That was, you know, we even get this little diddler to give, give emphasis to the words, but, you know, not to be scripted is huge. I mean, this mm -hmm. discussion we're having now, there's no script here and, and that's why I can have fun with it because, yeah. you know, there's no script. There's no, we have to cover these topics. It's just, we're just, going where we go. Yeah. I I love that and it it reminds me of something that I learned, you know, when I was in the process of learning high level sales um because usually one of the first things you encounter is a sales script. Mm. Right? And people are like what's your script like or I just I just redid my script, you know, blah blah blah. But somebody said um you know scripts are for plays like they're they're for a dramatic performance where the outcome is always known and it's always the same and that's not what a, a really transformative high-level sales experience is about it's not about replication and and just like you know wash rinse repeat it's about presence and and aliveness you know i'd, I'd love to tell a story if i may please just briefly of being sold to. Ah. I was in India and we were in Delhi and wanted to get a carpet. Now carpets are not cheap, mm -hmm. particularly if you get a hand woven, you know, nice sure. one. This man came out of his store and he was saying, you know, come, come, come. You need to see these carpets. This is how it goes in India. You know, everybody's pulling you into their store. Yes. We went to this particular one and this man was wonderful. He pulled out all these different carpets, rolled them out with a big flourish, you know, told us all the amazing things about it, and then said, you know what, we need to have a break. Let's go for lunch. And he took us for lunch. And then we came back and went into more carpets, and there was this massive stack of carpets. By the end of the day, I had had one of the most fun days that I'd spent in Delhi. This guy was selling the entire day. Mm -hmm. But he did it in such a way that I wanted more of it. And yes, we absolutely ended up coming away with, I think, three or four carpets. But mm -hmm. nothing, no regrets ever about right. that whole process because it was so much fun. Yes. And, and it was authentic. And, you know, having lunch in the middle, we all joked about, you know, that the lunch cost X amount of money. And the <laughs> yeah. But the, the the whole experience was just it's one that I can look at and say, now that's how I like to be sold to. Yeah. Roll me the what carpets I hear is, with the flourish. Is, this is someone who knew how to hold it as an actual relationship rather than turning you into an object. And he was definitely building a relationship and not a quick sale. Yeah. And that sale energy, you know, you were saying earlier about the script and, and it's part of a play and you know how it, the outcome is going to be you also everybody in the play also knows what their role is so mm -hmm. they know what they're supposed to say next yeah and if you have a script well the other person has to have a script too and they have to know what they're going to say next mm -hmm. and that that doesn't work in sales at all it's and it's so sticky you know I have people jumping in my inbox all the time with hey I help struggling coaches da, 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 da. and I'm like yeah. first of all who said struggle and secondly who are you and why are you talking to me in this way? You know, and they, and they want to sell me their seven steps, something, or their, you know, I made this video. Do you want the link? These kind of things drive me nuts. 
Mm-hmm. They're so cookie cutter and inauthentic. They, they, they're not talking to me. They don't even know who I am. Why mm-hmm. would I look at this? You know, and that's what a script does is it puts everybody in the same category and you're not exactly. seen, you're not heard. Well, and what I, what I was hearing you say, or what I thought I heard you say is, is when we, if you are selling something and you come in with a script, you're going to trigger that other person's script. So, and whether or not either of you are conscious of it. And so whatever the scripted response is to something greater or something challenging or even praise, right? Like we can have all kinds of scripts, right? Mm -hmm. That nothing authentic is possible. Agreed. And you know, it's a funny thing. You mentioned the word praise. Working as a board certified behavior analyst, one of the things that we do with kids with autism is figure out what's what's the reinforcement Mm -hmm. and people will often use praise as a reinforcement but you know what it doesn't work for everybody some kids find praise highly aversive Mm -hmm. they really really don't like it and react badly to it well I think adults are the same way and you know when I get somebody jumping in when I get someone jumping into my inbox saying, oh, hey, I really love what you're doing. I'm like, oh, (laughs) you know, right away that sets my script off of you have no idea what I'm doing, do you? And, you know, sometimes I'll ask them a question just to see what do you know? And Mm -hmm. they don't know. They haven't looked. It's, it's just that it's very cynical. I find Mm -hmm. to use scripts, very cynical. Yeah. Well, it is, again, I think it's, mostly not conscious, but it's, it's a way to avoid vulnerability. And for me, the the only place that something meaningful or beneficial happens is when we're willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. If you're going to have a meaningful exchange, and if you're going to have a container of some sort, whether that's coaching, teaching, however that container looks, if you want to have someone in there with you, how can you do that without vulnerability and without connection? Mm-hmm. There has to be authenticity there. Otherwise, what have you got? Like yeah. it, it, it can't work. It cannot because the, the necessary ingredients aren't there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's just a very strange concept. But the people who are selling those kind of scripts, that's their business right they they sell the scripts so they want you to believe them but actually they only work if you believe them and you buy their scripts Mm -hmm. so it's kind of there's this whole subculture of of inauthenticity going on and if you you get into that well you're not going to get the six figures in a month that they're telling you you're going to get because it's there's nothing there to get that for you there's a whole yeah. lot of blocks to stop that from coming because while you're over there with your script, you're not present mm-hmm. and you're not, I, yeah, I, you're not I here. So passionately about this, as you know, because I, I see that, I see that actually there are a lot of people who are technically creating success, right? They, they are meeting their numbers. They're, they're moving the dial, but the cost is so high. Mm. because it it is it's like the ultimate wear and tear because you're showing up as a mask it's it's the ultimate getting a quick sale versus creating a customer being with a customer but more than a customer it's it's a relationship it's a whole Mm -hmm. exchange of energy right and and you can't really you don't have anything if you don't have that that's mm-hmm. how I see it. The the making money and just making money is really not going to hold up very long. You know, it's like building a big house on a pile of sticks. Mm-hmm. It looks good for a while, but you know, one little wobble and and yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Not, it we can't have, be very satisfying. A... No, it isn't. It isn't. And um I feel like there's a whole hours, many, many hours worth of dialogue we could have about it but i feel really grateful that that part of the transmission is coming in through this conversation 
Like I, I feel so excited for this to go out into the world because I know that it's going to embolden people to live what is authentic for them. Oh, you know, I love that. I'd like that sentence put in many places. Yeah. Embolden people to live the life that, you know, they're here to actually live. Exactly. That's, that's the essence of human design and its purpose is yeah. to show you that, give it to you and, and sort of, okay, go do this now, go play with this now. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, that's so exciting because so many people are holding themselves small and they might not even know. I mean, I discovered limitations that I had. I had no idea they were there. And when I, I know, saw them, I know. I was like, what is that even happening? <laughs> that, that's actually like, those are some of my favorites, right? Because I tend to work with women who are, are really high level. They're masters of their craft. They're, they've had a lot of success. And um, sometimes that's the most fun because then those blocks and limiters, it it really is. It's like, what? You know, what? whereas earlier on the journey, you're like, oh, I know. I see the blocks. Like, they're there. I'm familiar, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But it also gets to be so great because, like, the lightest touch can change everything. And that's where the magic happens. Yeah. that's It's the stuff that you think you know what you know, but it's the stuff you have no idea you yes. don't know. That's that's the uh that's the amazing transformation part. And it's so difficult to tell it to someone until they've experienced it. Like it's yeah. you you can give the idea, but the the reality is outstanding to to mm-hmm. realize. You know, I've always kept myself very small in um even in it like a Zoom room. I could mm-hmm. be in a group. I'm quiet. You don't tend to hear me much. I'm sitting in the corner there and you know I I don't um say a lot. And I always thought that that was because I didn't really have anything to say. Well <laughs> that's actually not correct. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I realized oh I I have this story about other people not having room for me or mm-hmm. Other people not thinking what I have to say is important. And, you know, and there's all this other people, other people's story. And they have no say in that matter because it's all in my head. They they didn't create it. I did. And I don't even know I have it. It's such a clever disguise. Mm -hmm. It's it's really, you know, they're quietly keeping you small and safe, right? Yeah. And and I feel like that is born from scarcity. You know, I mean, we, we have those relationships with space when we only, we think there's only so much space, right? Mm. Only, only so much love that can go around only so much power. And, and, you know, who am I to, that's, that's the start of many sentences, right? Who am I to do that? Who am I to take up space? Mm -hmm. And that alone is worth, you know, if, if each person can just blow that open that's worth so much because wow actually there's a ton of space yes I'm not in a tiny closet I'm in this huge room you know that poor skeleton she she sits at the dining table now she's never been back in the closet she sits there with her hat and she's you know she's got a computer in front of her and she's perfectly happy but Mm. it's like once you're out of that closet of shame and smallness you you never need to go back there again Mm -hmm. it's like what was that wow how long was I in there for you know like that's that's an amazing experience that transformation you don't know you're in the cupboard until you come out yes yes ego death and rebirth absolutely and it's just it's part of life it's like the smooth part and then the rapids it's just Mm -hmm. how it goes yes so beautiful you're here now and then you're going to change in some way in a short time and who knows what that will be but it will be amazing because mm-hmm. you'll choose it. Yes. And how great is that? Choice is all about choice. Mm-hmm. And when we don't think we have choice, we have no power. Yeah. Yeah. But really choice is the one thing that can't be taken. You, you can know, give there's... it though. You can, you can give it away and say, I don't have this. Oh, Here, you of have course, it. of course. And the thing that we don't realize is that we've chosen to do that. 
you know, because right. when choice is held in the unconscious, we don't recognize that it's ours. Right. Yeah. And so it's a, a, an invitation, right? I, I always tell people, don't believe me, just try. Like I notice how much you're choosing every single day. You know, I, first thing I say with when I'm working with human design with somebody is don't take my word for this. Mm-hmm. Everything I tell you now is for you to go and play with, test it, try it. Don't come back for any more until you've had at least a couple of weeks of playing with this and then bring me questions. But mm-hmm. don't take my word for it. I don't want that responsibility. That's I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what is here. Now yeah. you go see how it fits. Yes. I love that's, that. That's not my job to say how it fits. You you mm-hmm. test it and you see. That's the whole point. I have a science background. I have four degrees and they're all sciencey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, the the greatest proof is when somebody tests it. Yes. And they test it again and they test it again and they get repeatable results. That's the science process. And you can use that with human design all the time. Mm-hmm. All day. With with everything, really. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I I do not have any science degrees, but it's it's They're how I live. I just can't take anybody's word for it. Yeah. You know, here's an interesting thing. I have four degrees and I got them mostly because of imposter syndrome, which I no longer have, mm-hmm. but I had at that time. I'll just get one more degree and then I'll have enough to, I'll get one more and then I'll, you know, and I have a 4.0 GPA, like really all the things. And basically what that means is I have four pieces of paper that say, I can repeat what somebody else has told me is true. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about my ability as a human being to evolve. So well, I'm, I, I want to give you more credit than that because it feels like a both and because to actually to pursue four degrees is no small feat. And to do so with a 4.0 in the sciences isn't um, something that everyone has the capacity to do. I mean, certainly the interest piece is there, but so I, I, it's, it's a bit like, you know, if a fish is swimming in the water, then it's a brilliant fish, but if it's trying to climb a tree, then it's not doing very well. You mm-hmm. know, so people who wouldn't necessarily do what I just did. Okay. But maybe that's them going up a tree as a fish, you know, maybe they they have a different area where they can. I'm just trying to point the flashlight at you and the possibility that even, even in your moments of greatest imposter syndrome, that you were still wildly evolutionary and. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for taking it. I realized, I realized my motivation though. I was actually doing a doctorate program Uh and I was in the doctorate program and I, I had this realization, you know, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Because I can. Okay. Why else? (laughs) Well, when I get the piece of paper at the end and you know what, to, to my poor mother's horror, and the, the surprise and astonishment of people that knew me, I dropped out. I stopped because I realized I wasn't doing this for any of the right reasons and it mm-hmm. was not going to be productive. So I quit. And me too. I just I did it before anything. I got four degrees. <laughs> I didn't even finish the one. So you can imagine how my parents felt about that. They, they were concerned. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, it's interesting because there's a lot of story about that too, right? Yeah, like my sure. um, my mom immediately said, don't tell anybody. Don't let oh, people wow. know. They, they're going to think that all sorts of terrible uh-huh. things about you. Like, don't let uh-huh. them know. She was very upset. And yeah. you know, she didn't even want me to let other people know that we knew, let alone yeah. publicly. And so, you know, for the longest time I didn't. But it was for her. It wasn't for me. It was mm-hmm. to not upset her um, because she made it mean a lot more than I did. Yeah. I'm so glad you're living for you. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was actually, it was wonderful. But the day I quit that, I was like, oh, so now what am I going to do with this? How am I going to feel about this? 
And then, do you know, I, I almost immediately forgot that I was even in the program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm good. I'm onto the next thing. And it didn't have that big impact at all. It affected her. It didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just to say, you know, sometimes we're following a script and then when you yeah. stop, guess what happens? Life continues, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's room for other things now. Mm-hmm. So, so, so much. People, we could talk for hours. I know, I know. But I want to make sure that everyone who's listening has the opportunity to connect with you and this movement, I'll call it, into greater authenticity and genuine ease. What's the where's the best place for them to go? Well, if you want to watch the TV show or listen to the podcast, that would be inspired choices.ca it's a canadian company or inspiredchoices.com either way you'll get there and my website is gaffenstone.com it's two f's so g-a-f-f-e-n-s-t-o-n-e and there's lots of things on the website to play with i love my website it's so colorful Mm -hmm. and that's the place to start with human design um, otherwise find me on social media. If you look up Mickey Gaffinstone, you will find me. I'm the only one out there. <laughs> well, that's easy. Yep. That's Amazing. really easy. And I, I respond to people. So, you know, shoot me a chat, say hello, send me a comment, email. Oh, and I have, I have an email list that I enjoy too. It's not a huge email list, but I send an email once a week. They're short and I get, um, at least half of the people open them. And mm-hmm. a number reply. I had nice. replies this morning before 8 a.m. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. Beautiful. I enjoy that. It's fun. Yeah. I actually like writing my emails. So. Oh, yeah. I love writing my emails. If I, I just can't do anything that I don't enjoy, like I really, it just mm-hmm. goes immediately bad. Um, mm-hmm. But I love writing. Yeah, that was another thing I found was things like scheduling social media posts. Nope, mm-hmm. I don't Not do it. Nope, it's it's that scripted thing again. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So. Amazing. Well, thank learning you. Learning all sorts of things about scripts. We can burn them all. Sure. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your life with all of us this way. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It is always wonderful to spend time with you. Yes, likewise.